in the end, I have 65,000 people working for me every day. And I cannot know what each one of them is doing at every minute. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. If you really care about something, then you need to go all in. I don't know how many times you can stand up there and give a speech and be wrong. They don't want an answer from me. Sometimes people need to be told to sit down and shut up. I'm David First here with Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC, and with Senior Editor for Politics and Policy for WNYC News, Andrea Bernstein. They have been busy picking through calendars and photos from the Port Authority, and uh, we'll hear more about their investigation in just a moment. Also today, Robert George with the New York Post says Bridgegate is far down the list when it comes to concerns for the governor. But first, let's get to Andrea and Matt's reporting. It got so much attention this past week. Here's an excerpt. I don't even remember in the last four years even having a meeting in my office with David Wildstein. I may have, but I don't remember it. Well, he did. We found Wildstein's schedules from his tenure at the Port Authority. We corroborated them through current and former Port Authority and Trenton staffers, records released by the governor's legal team in the New Jersey legislature, and other knowledgeable sources who declined to be named because of the ongoing federal investigations. Andrea Bernstein and Matt Katz, uh, an excerpt from your report there, and there's so much more to see online. I still can't get past the photos. I mean, they look like something from a Hollywood movie, you know, maybe in in some political thriller when you see that montage of photos taken from the surveillance truck. Uh, (laughs) But in this case, these are official photos taken by the Port Authority. And here's Governor Christie, former Port Authority Chairman David Sampson, former Deputy Executive Bill Baroni, David Wildstein, on day three of the lane closures at the George Washington Bridge. I 211 traffic is a nightmare. The GW Bridge is totally gridlocked. Gathered around as Wildstein checks his BlackBerry and, and kind of giggling like they're hiding around the side of the school during recess. It's really, obviously, we don't know what was being said. But um, let's start with what Governor Christie has said about it. There were a lot of people there. There were people coming up to him constantly, wanting to take his photograph throughout the day. And he doesn't remember having a conversation with David Wildstein about a traffic study that day. This Uh, is at the September 11th remembrance. At the September 11th remembrance. What the pictures show is that he was with this small group that you described without a lot of other people around, engaged in conversation, as you say, checking the BlackBerry. The series is quite striking for a conversation that was of no moment or import. Only Wildstein is, is looking at, the, uh, at his BlackBerry. Uh, there's more, more of what's going on is a lot of um, joking around and very animated conversation. Let me just clear something up, okay, about my childhood friend, David Wildstein. We didn't travel in the same circles in high school. You know, I was the class president and athlete. I don't know what David was doing. You see that these guys felt somewhat comfortable with each other. You see that Christy and David Sampson, as we know, we know they're close, but you kind of see it. I mean, they're like hugging with their cheeks touching. You know, this was always portrayed to us as sort of like a a rope line. Um, It's not a rope line. These guys are hanging out before they're walking into the ceremony. We see this over and over again with David Sampson, that they are really, really close. And of course, Sampson was the chairman of the Port Authority, and he met with Wildstein and spoke with Wildstein on the phone and in person 
all the time. Andrea, you found these calendars in a Freedom of Information section of the Port Authority website. I just stumbled upon them. Another reporter had asked for them. I think Matt, like the very first night, I I think I looked at them for like a half an hour, and I sent you an email. Like these are really kind of stunning. You need to read them. They were they were stunning to me. I mean, I was most surprised by the extent of Wild Scene's connections with all kinds of other political people in New Jersey. He's like the most wired guy in Jersey um, at the time. I mean, he's meeting with lobbyists and, and, and elected officials from both sides of the aisle. He's meeting with reporters. He's at like a steakhouse twice a week. He's going to diners. That's where Jersey deals get done, David. You know that. Did you have an aha moment uh, staring at your whiteboard with all of your sticky notes and looking at all the calendar entries at three in the morning or something on your sixth cup of coffee? I would say the first aha moment was just reading the calendars for the first time. Like Matt said, like, wow, this guy was wired. He was connected to everybody. He was meeting with everybody, including possibly with the governor himself on these occasions. And then sort of laying out that uh, week in December leading up to the governor's press conference where he said, I have no reason to believe that any of my staff knew about these closures. I've made it very clear to everybody on my senior staff that if anyone had any knowledge about this, that they needed to come forward to me and tell me about it, and they've all assured me that they don't. Putting all of the contacts and phone calls and discussions that took place that week, I couldn't even fit them onto one whiteboard. There were so many. I had no knowledge or involvement in this issue, in its planning or its execution, uh, and I am stunned. Matt, so if this investigation proves that... uh, Uh, Governor Christie had a closer relationship with David Wildstein than uh, he has uh, let on. Uh, The governor can still sit back and and say, well, do you have any idea how many people I meet with, how many hands I shake? You know, he can still deny that that it means anything. So what happens now? Where do we go from here? We wait for the U.S. attorney to tell us what the extent of Wildstein's role was within the administration and whether, um, you know, he got an email that said time for some traffic problems in Fort Lee, he said got it. We are waiting for the U.S. attorney to tell us what came before that email, where the email chain began, so to speak, whether it was a literal, literal email chain or whether these orders came otherwise. Did this originate with Wildstein and Bridget Ann Kelly, the deputy chief of staff who sent the time for some traffic problems email as Christie's lawyers and Christie himself have framed the situation? Or does it go further and deeper into the administration? And we are told that there will be indictments of several people Uh, within the administration any day now. Andrea Bernstein and uh, Matt Katz with WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This is the Christy Tracker Podcast. I'm David First. Back with Robert George in a minute. You don't even care where the other missile's headed, do you? Certainly I do. I know exactly where it's headed. Hackensack, New Jersey. We're joined now by Robert George, associate editorial page editor for the New York Post and frequent political commentator. Welcome. Uh, Thank you, David. Good to be here. Robert, what do you make of all all this? Is Bridgegate the big factor that has been hurting Governor Christie during the early days of uh, this uh, Republican primary process? I mean, how, how much is Bridgegate the factor? In terms of the Republican base, 
I don't think it is that great a deal of a factor. The Republican base basically uh, started to abandon Christie after uh, Hurricane Sandy or Superstorm Sandy. While that turned out to be a godsend, pardon expression, for Christie in terms of his reelection, it has turned out to be the awful gift that keeps giving. The as awful far as gift. It all comes back to the quote-unquote hug. Is that what you're it, talking about? It, it all comes back to the hug. Because remember, if you sort of kind of went into Chris Christie's mind, you know, going back to the 2012 election, where people had been urging him, you know, to try to jump in, and he said, no, I want to, I want to run for re-election first, and so forth. The basic sense was, he was a northeastern governor, which um, the Republican base, particularly in the South, looked wary at to begin with. However, the thing that they liked most about him was he was a fighter. He was the one who was willing to get into the face of Democrats and liberals, um, union activists that might try and heckle him and so forth. And th- this was a group that was so furious with uh, Barack Obama that somebody who had that kind of a um, characteristic, that kind of an uh, in-your-face personality was something that really resonated with the anger and frustration that w- existed within the Republican base. When he did the hug to Obama, Coming in the you know in the last couple of weeks of the 2012 re-election, this under, was on the tarmac welcoming him off of uh, the plane. Exactly, which which any governor would do to basically any president who was coming to visit a disaster area. I mean, that's just kind of your basic kind of protocols. But that kind of image, particularly given that it seemed also to help Obama's re-election, which I don't think it necessarily did, but from the from the viewpoint of those in the Republican base, it seemed like he was giving aid and comfort, um, to use an expression, uh, to Obama at the worst possible time. So, so that created a whole lot of ill will between Governor Christie and the Republican base. Now, the Bridgegate stuff, which which ended up coming out after Governor Christie's re-election. If this had been any normal kind of situation where a Republican governor was being uh, was under attack by the media and so forth, I think the Republican base would have rallied to his support. But because of the, the feeling of the ill will that was already there, the Bridgegate, while some people in the base thought it was a big deal, some didn't, it actually gave them them like an excuse to kind of dismiss him in, in terms of his future prospects. Watching the way that uh, Hillary Clinton responded to the email controversy, did, did that get you thinking at all about the way, the way <laughs> no, Governor sorry. Christie handles these situations? Well, yeah, I mean, look, frankly, I, I, in fact, we, uh, uh, we at The Post did an editorial about that uh, at the latter part of last week. I mean, in all fairness to Governor Christie, how he handled Bridgegate, whether you accepted every single explanation he had, was a marked contrast with the way Hillary Clinton did her emails. I mean, if you think about it, uh, she, you know, she had this kind of brief statement at the very beginning. She had somebody, you know, one of her aides, um, pick out who she wanted to answer questions from. And then, like, within 15 minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes or so, it was gone. And, and she, was, she was off on her way. Whereas Christie, you know, wore that, uh, I don't know if you were there, but he wore that room out. He took questions for about uh, an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, and it, it got to the point where people on Twitter are saying, my God, is this thing ever going to end? <laughs> uh, and, and actually, I think that's actually uh, a, a good sign for him as somebody who's not, um, you know, he'll get into tussles with the media, but he's not he doesn't come across as somebody who's afraid of the media, afraid of that kind of scrutiny. He'll just, you know, stand there, you know, until the cows come home. Here we are now, uh, Matt Katz and Andrea Bernstein are analyzing what he said in some of that speech when he's talking about barely remembering having anything to do with David Wildstein. 
And some of those uh, maybe unguarded moments and comments can continue to haunt him. Well, I mean, possibly, but, but, but on the other hand, think about it. That press conference he did was in, what, February of last year, like a year ago. And with all due respect to uh, Andrea and Matt, who are, who are great journalists, it's taken a year to actually extract that particular potential discrepancy between what, what uh, Christie said versus what the actual record may be. If I'm in politics, I'll take um, a politician who stands in the room, answers questions for an hour and 20 minutes or so, and then it may take a year later for them to find that the, the one or two things may have been a little bit, a little bit shady. I mean, what you don't want for example, with the Clinton one, which, again, was only 15 minutes, I don't think it was even over before people were questioning the fact that she said, well, the server was set up uh, for, to handle my my uh, husband's email. And then the people said, oh, well, um, Bill Clinton's only had two, he's sent only two emails in his entire life. So why would he have his own server? I mean, that's the kind of thing you don't want to happen. I think in the context of what Christie did, that sounds like a, a not bad trade-off. Robert George, associate editorial page editor for The New York Post. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, David. Look forward to doing it again. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker podcast on iTunes. You can like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz on Twitter at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. I'm David First. Till next week. I'm like the guy who showed up for dinner at dessert, and then everybody went to go to the bathroom and never came back, and I got the check. That's fine.